This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Guys, welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. At The Forging Table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's Word, and we're welcoming all of you to come along on that journey with us. That is Ryan. That is Derek. That is Eric. Guys, we are digging into Galatians 6, so let's go ahead and get after it. I have a question from the beginning, and this has been a burning question for me from the first time I read uh, Galatians 6 during this whole period, because I wanted to get y'all's feedback on it, because I read you know several commentaries and got some different feedback, but the very first scripture, so Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are a spiritual, or sorry, you are a spiritual should, sorry, wait a you who are spiritual. Let's just start completely over. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So, literally in my notes I wrote, gentle how? Catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. Okay, what is honey? Honey is... In this context. Like, if, if I have a brother who's in sin, and I'm a spiritual, you know, I'm a spiritual person, and I can see... That his fruit is, is led to sin in his life, you know, and he has no fruit there. How's he going to take that from me? If I go in there and be like, dude, you're a horrible Christian. You're not doing this right. Your wife is, you know, dealing with this or we're dealing with that. How's he going to take that if I come just like bombard him? But if I come and say, hey, man, I'm a little worried about you, you know, like, you know, I've been dealing with this in my life that I dealt with in the past and I just kind of see that coming on with you. And, you know, I don't, you know, trying to make it more personable on, you know, how can I, bring this guy back to where he needs to be. But some guys respond really well to the first one, to the coming in guns blazing type thing. And other people like kind of the more measured approach. So maybe that's just me. Well, maybe well, it's, it's just, le- maybe it's less about, it's not about if I'm, if I'm going to rebuke you, it's not about me. Yes. You know, I'm not going to get some, I'm not trying to get satisfaction out of taking you down, mm-hmm. you know, for the glory of yeah. Christ. Right. It, this is more about me revealing to you that you're not in line with, the expectations, you know, of God's word and, uh, and then helping steer you back in the right direction. Right. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. And I think that does make sense because, you know, we're all still human. We're all going to sin. So if I come with a high mighty attitude and a self-righteous attitude, that's about me wanting to call you out, you know, one, that's not doing what God wants me to do. And two, you know, that sets me up for the, the, failure. Yeah. And there, there are many times that I've had conversations with my kids about, and I just connect with them like they're they're falling. They 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 you're not living you know not doing something correct, um, and and I can tell them hey they're, you're not doing this right this way. But 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 I can also connect with them. Be like I remember when I was your age, and I felt the same way or I did the same thing. You mm-hmm. know so um, there then I can I can identify with them. We've identified also that they're out of bounds, and then we can start the restoration process. Yeah. So sense. I wonder if as well has to do with, you know, five love languages type stuff. So if yeah. you're, let's say your love language is uh, quality time and your wife's love language is acts of service. And so you are showing her love via quality time. So you're always hanging around. You're always right. asking to hang out and all she wants is for you to do stuff 
for her. And so it's like, okay, you're not feeling her love tank. You're, you're not feeling anyone's love tank. You're trying to love her in the way that you accept love. So I, I guess when you're approaching somebody, if you're rebuking somebody, it's like rebuke them, not in your chosen favorite style, but in the style that you think they're going to hear. And like of all the available styles, like maybe they love the guns blazing thing and they, you know, they respond well to guys getting in their face, or maybe that's going to absolutely make them melt and they'll, they'll never trust you ever again to a certain degree. But again, just getting back again, as I, as I talked about on last week's episode, when you're talking about gentleness, that is something that I, that I significantly struggle with because it's just not a natural thing, uh, a natural thing in my wiring. And so I literally wrote like, how do you do that gently? Because there are people that would maybe perceive when I talk to one of my guy friends and I'm like pointing out something horrible in his life, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, that was really not gentle. That was kind of mean. And it's like, yeah, to you it is, but we got, we got to the end goal and it wasn't in the thing that you would prefer as being a third person viewer of this entire situation, but that's what the situation required. And thank goodness I was put in that situation a la William Farrell to be able to push back in that particular way, because you can't always push back darkness by being, you know, a choir boy, like, but that's also not, you know, an excuse to go off half cocked all the time. But Derek, you want to hop in on this? Okay. Yeah. Two, two, two points. One, I quickly looked up, uh, gentleness in the Greek to see if I could get a better, no, it just says being gentle and mild. So that doesn't help us at all. So thanks Paul. Um, but here's a question. Could it perhaps relate to the end of last week in Galatians five, where Galatians five 25 says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then Paul in the next line, because he, I mean, his letters, right? Correct me if I'm wrong here, but his letters were not letter five, and then I'll send out letter right. six, right? Yeah. It, it, the chapters and verses were added later to help sure. us understand it. Fine. Right. So if he's talking about don't provoke one another, don't envy one another, but if somebody's caught in transgression, approach them with gentleness. So Kyle, to your point, it could be specifically who Paul was talking to in that specific situation saying, don't provoke one another, talk to, talk to each other in gentleness as it relates to the rest of Galatians where he's saying, guys, this is not Jesus plus something else. This is Jesus and Jesus alone. So if you're, if you're fighting or if anybody heard last week, if you're quabbling about this kind of stuff, right, then don't quabble don't provoke, but speak can we maybe like have a moratorium <laughs> on the word quabble? Yes, quabble. I misspoke. Or is that just going to be a thing now? I guess we can I'm take a vote realist. right now, and I don't get a vote, so it's <laughs> so it's not even. Are we just going to keep saying quabble? We'll probably say quabble. I, okay, I the enjoy problem the, the problem's going to be is somebody's going to start listening to this like months from now when we're talking about somebody else, something else, and y'all are going to say that and be like, ah, these guys are idiots. We're talking about quabbling like these. <laughs> They'd morons. say that long before we get to well, quabble. One probably. thing I wanted to point out though too is. I think he's trying to bring you to humbleness because like, look at, look at uh, verse four, but each one must examine his own work uh-huh. and then he will have a reason. Then he will have reason for boasting, but to himself alone and not to another for each one will bear his own load. So how I need to humble myself or I'm going to come to a different, if I'm going to come to a brother and I'm going to call him out. Well, you know? yeah. And, and, and if we go back to chapter five, you know, the fruit of the spirit, I, I when I read that, I read that, Jesus slash God always deals with his creation as humans through the fruit of the spirit. That's all that he always comes at them with joy, with peace, patience. Now to your point earlier, it may be that at times he has to come at us a little less gentle, but it doesn't mean that it's not powerful. And I, I feel like God's word oftentimes is, you know, we, we hear that God's word will not return back to him vain. So when we are coming at a brother and saying, Hey, I'm noticing this in your life. And this is, 
This is where I see you kind of out of bounds. Here's, here's what God's word says about this. Then, um, then we just let God's word kind of work into that a little bit. In our house, I work really hard on when, when rules are broken. It's, this is not an emo, it can be an emotional thing, but it also, if we have a rule broken and then this is a punishment and we just, hey, you broke the rule. And so here's the punishment. You know, we don't need to yell and scream and yell, you know, fight over it. It's just, this is what it is. Well, and I'll add to that, Eric, because that's a good point. Um, Mark Driscoll, a long time ago, I know Kyle, but a, a long time ago, he had a, a parenting se- series. And in it, he said, hey, part of the issues with parents is parents treat mistakes as sin. Right. When they break a rule, they didn't necessarily sin. It was just a mistake. Or if they made a mistake, here's the consequence and you move on. Kyle, that could be the point here is he's talking about if anybody is caught in transgression. So he's talking about sin. And so we can't treat sin as a mistake. Sin is not a mistake. It's definitely sin and a grievance against the Lord. And so we have to approach it uh, in the right way. I think approaching in the right way makes sense. And just just to be clear for anyone in our audience, I didn't get the little inside joke there. Like, I, I am a Driscoll guy, but like, you're not allowed to be a Driscoll guy because he has unrepentant sin and he was mean and he he gave a lot of people the sads and all that. So, you know, I, I get so much value out of a guy like Mike, Mark Driscoll and I, I really enjoy a lot of I stuff that he says. And so, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I think he even taught this where it's like, there's certain things in culture and whatever, like that you accept, reject or redeem. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that if you're listening to a guy like Mark Driscoll that you can accept or reject or redeem. And it's like, just, mm-hmm. just operate accordingly. But I think it's, it's, it's important when you're talking about gentleness here, uh, specifically with verse one in chapter or six of you're looking for restoration. So you who are spiritual should restore him mm-hmm. in a spirit of gentleness. Restoration is the point. Okay. So yes, they didn't mistake against you as God. They sinned against you as God. That is a very, there's, they're not a mistaker. They're a sinner. You know, in a lot of modern churches, you're taught that you're a mistaker. Oh, you just made a mistake. It's like, no, uh, you, you sinned against a holy God and a just righteous punishment for that is eternal damnation. That's a better way of right. thinking about it and describing right. it. But then it goes back, you know, uh, Eric, you were reading uh, verse four down there, but also verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse uh, three is for if anybody thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And I'll just uh, wrap it up with four and five, but let it, uh, each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. What this gets into guys, again, you know, undaunted life, we are targeted at, at men, undaunted life of a man's podcast is 90% male audience. The women that listen are absolute lionesses. They're gangsters. But this is a big deal for men. We love to lone wolf it. Okay. And so when somebody rebukes us, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Ryan, it's, you know, we can very easily brush that person off because if brushing them off loses our community that we were in, no big deal. I'm a lone wolf. I, I can I can do my own thing. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm a I'm a good Western American guy, like that that type of a thing. But the issue that a lot of us have is we're not allowing somebody to come under the bar and lift some of the weight off of our shoulders for us because we feel like we have something to prove. And perhaps I, it was just as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking through. Isn't that kind of the point of Galatians, where you have the Judaizers saying, "Yep, uh, you know, you could just let Christ, you know, carry all the weight of this, but we're going to let Christ carry most of it." but we're going to add some things here and there. We're going to add some boxes that need to be checked or something like that. But how that, you know, really coalesces into a, a normal everyday life for a lot of men in our life is we don't, 
We don't want to bear one another's burdens. We don't want anyone to bear our burden with us. Why? Because it's my burden. I don't want to ask people in my community to do these things because I don't really want to bother them and I don't really want to, you know, mess with them. And, you know, I'm really struggling right now and I feel like I'm drowning, but, you know, I'm, I'm a man and I'm supposed to, you know, take care of it. And, and as a man, I'm, I've somehow gotten this idea that I'm supposed to have all the answers and I'm supposed to be checking every single one of the boxes when in reality, you, could, you just can't. Like, you know, there, there are these things I've heard before to where it's like somebody's going to lose out. You can't run a successful business and have a deeply intimate marriage and have wonderful relationships with your kids and be involved in the community and be in tremendous, you know, Ironman triathlon shape. It's not possible. Someone's always going to be getting the short end of the stick. The thing is, is you get to choose who's going to get the shortest end right? That, that's what you get to choose because it's very easy to keep going back to the golf course because that's something that you can easily control and not keep seeking after uh, the, the heart of your, of your wife. So I know I'm, I'm opening up a lot of doors there, but again, but it's the burdens overall. You've actually rebuked me on that before. Uh, one time uh, our whole family was sick. I think all the kids were sick, wife was sick, but it was our turn to bring uh, 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 breakfast to an adult Bible fellowship. Yeah, yeah. And I left them at home, went and grabbed breakfast and brought it over. And like, hey, guys, can't stay. Everybody's sick. And Kyle's like, why didn't you reach out to one of us mm-hmm. to bring breakfast? We could have done that. And I was like, no, no, it's my burden. I, I got to do it. And he's like, no, this is what we are. We're your community. You know, reach out to us. Lay your burdens on us, you know. And I'm, it's, it go, goes back to the lone wolf, you know. I was and like, what's funny about that, had the situation been switched, I would have done the exact same thing you had done. Right? Oh, I know. And I would have brushed you, and I would have brushed you off and been like, hey man, it was my burden and I'm a guy that yeah. checks my own boxes and all that. But you but you're exactly right. Like it was it was a time where a community could have been leaned on and you mm-hmm. know, it's like, no, no, I'm gonna lean on me. Yep. Go ahead. Okay. So <clears throat> let me if I can jump in here. I heard a pastor talk about once, Kyle, to your point of as um specifically as men, we work towards the point of autonomy, right? Autonomy is the goal in Western civilization so that we don't need anybody, we don't rely on anybody, and therefore nobody can speak into our lives and tell us mm-hmm. and rebuke us when we do something wrong because that's, that's what happens when you have the lack of community. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, second point, oftentimes what does happen is if there is no relationship, there's no relationship equity between the two people, and if you're not approached right, what I've found or what I've seen is three things happen, right? One is resignation. Oh man, I'm just never going to, Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll never be good enough in that area. I give up. Two, resentment. So the bitterness sneaks into the heart. You have resentment towards the other person. Or three, resistance. And you resist that relationship. Unlike, Ryan, you're talking about, hey, you rebuked me. I heard that. That stuck with me for years. And now I'm going to grow in that and actually lean on my community. So I, here's a question, Kyle, back to your point. How do we, how do I reconcile verse two, where it says bear one another's burdens, and verse five, where it says right. each will have to bear his own load? Yeah, and I'll I'll speak to that. Just um, having thought about that a little bit, I mean, there are there are what like I need to move from one house to another, so I need people to help me literally physically move things. I think there are that's a burden, right? You don't need to do that alone. Call your guys and have them come help you. But um, on the uh, on the flip side, there are burdens that you alone must bear. If you get sick, not that you won't have help, but that sickness inside of you is yours, and you are bearing that sickness. A woman that has uh, that's pregnant, nobody can carry her baby for her. That is a burden that she must carry, um, and that's really where that that root of that word is is centered, just kind of around this kind of idea of pregnancy. Well, and there there are burdens that only you can carry, which is what you just described. To where it's like, you know, for anybody that's had a pregnant wife, like if you're a super empathetic type of guy, 
I bet you've wished that you could have taken the burden from her at different points when her back's extra sore, when she's super uncomfortable, you know, her body's changing and shifting in so many different interesting ways, especially with the first pregnancy. And you want to be able to take that burden, but you simply cannot. And, you know, there was a commentary I was reading where I was talking uh, specifically about load. The word load used in the Greek doesn't have a connotation of difficulty. So it's not describing the difficulty of a task. It's mm. describing whose load specifically it is. And so that's why I think it's important to where it's like, okay, if someone says, hey, I'm really struggling making ends meet and you know paying for all the obligations in my home, and also they're very overextended because they're trying to catch, you know, keep up with the Joneses and things like that, that is not your burden to pay their bills. Now, you can assist. There are times in our life where, you know, Kelsey and I have done, done really well and we knew people that were doing poorly and we paid some mortgage payments. Like we, we, we were able to help people in those areas. That was not all of our burden, but we were able to hop in when the burden was, was becoming crushing, right? But there are certain things like I can't make someone else healthy, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a pusher when it comes to exercise and working out and things like that, but I can't make you want to be in shape. I can't make you eat right. I can't you make, make you uh, go to sleep and make good decisions with your overall health. That is not my burden to carry. However, when somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, I, I'm struggling in this area. I need you to take some of this burden and you are specifically equipped to do that. For the most part, the answer just has to be yes. Now, there, there are obviously certain situations and stuff like that. And I think I've talked about on my show where I had a buddy who reached out to me two or three times over like a decade to try to, you know, get him in shape and, you know, get his all, all this stuff figured out. And he never did it. And so the, the, the latest time that he asked me, I said, hey, man, go work out and uh, diet uh, for six months and then come back to me and I'll help you. And so there are certain times when you need to push people in a different way. But I, I think that's an important thing for men out there overall just to think, okay, you do have burdens that other people can, can take. And there's a line there where you're taking advantage of people. But I feel like as men, we don't ask enough uh, for, for people to kind of hop in and help us out. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Good. Yeah. So as we dig even deeper into, into Galatians 6, um, so getting into verse 7, I, I got to be honest, there's some confusion here. And I think this is part of the thing about a forging table. And for, for those of you listening to this, I know a lot of you guys have already created your own forging table. And if you come to the forging table knowing all the answers, that is not the point guys. So just think through that a lot because, you know, again, I started out with verse one, gentle how, like, what do you mean by gentle? When we were talking about last week, you know, are the fruits of the spirit in order of importance? Like, you know, you know, there are questions that you need to ask. So do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. And so I guess for me, even after reading commentaries, I didn't really get the, the God is not mocked. Uh, part and I didn't get how that attached to for whatever one sows that will he also reap because then in verse eight you get for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life and let us not grow weary of doing good and so I, I want to kind of save verse nine let us not grow weary of doing good but the God is not mocked part like I, I guess I didn't get the connection to sowing and reaping somebody help please and thank you I mean. I wonder if this goes back to Galatians 5, uh, verse 24. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so if we go, I mean, I don't know if that goes where God's being mocked, but for whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. If I'm going to sow the fruits of the Spirit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow, I'm going to reap the fruits. But if I'm going to sow what my flesh wants, I'm going to reap what my flesh wants. And y'all can go back and tell you, you know, what kind of fruit my flesh wants. You know, it's, you know, if we put that up against God's law again, my flesh is going to lose out, yeah. you know? And yeah. so that's what I would think. And 
God not being mocked, that's, that's pretty heavy, you know? And so I would like, is it mocking if you're sowing, not from the spirit, if you're sowing from the flesh, is that what is mocking to God? Well, what if it's like, I'm a believer and I'm sowing to my flesh rather than sowing to the fruit. Like I'm mocking God basically, you know, because I'm saying, Hey, I rather, I rather, I rather die to my flesh than die to you. And so, you know, but I'm going to go and walk this life and pretend to be a believer. I, I would, I would find that to be mocking. I mean, you're going to get what you put into something. Yeah. Many t- you know, but often. it's also what you put into it though, too. You know? Sure. Sure. I was thinking, um, um, remember when Jacob deceived Isaac, you know, Esau. Was, yeah. so he's like, I'm Esau, right? Feel my hairy arms. You know, um, what, what happened later was, uh, when he was working for Nab- or for Laban, mm-hmm. he worked all, all those and years he was deceived, right? Yes. He, he got, yeah, he, he got, got Leah instead yeah. of Rachel. Yeah. With a lazy eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly I mean, he right. Basically stole his brother's birthright with some lentils. He, so he got it. He kind of <laughs> got it back. I guess in our modern day, we call that karma well, right? in some it, respects. If you also look at it, his mom was involved in regards to him deceiving his father. And then that comes back to Eve being deceived by the serpent yeah. to a point. Yeah. So Kyle, your question here of God is not mocked for whatever one sows that he will also reap. Um, I have kind of a, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to put this picture in my mind into words. And it's kind of like the guy or the person who perhaps does um, do whatever they want. And it seems like they're getting everything they want and they're living a life like you were saying, Ryan, far away from God, that they were living in impurity and uh, all the stuff in in Galatians 5 that says comes from living of the flesh, but it feels like they're getting everything they want. And oftentimes as believers, we look at that and we say, oh man, that is so not fair. That's all over Psalms. Yeah, Yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. And, And I feel like that's where, no, 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 no. He might not be reaping at the end because when you think about reap and you think about sow, there's a lot of season in between those two, right? When you plant it and then you nurture it and you grow it and you develop it. And then mm-hmm. in the harvest time is when you actually reap. And so oftentimes I think when I look at somebody living that way, they're living away from God or apart from God, they're living by the flesh. I see what's happening right now. And it looks like a big, healthy, nurturing plant or something that's going to be harvest and be wonderful. And I actually get envious or jealous and say, man, that's, you know, hey, that, that's challenging. Why why are they getting everything they want and they're walking away from God? Um, but it's not harvest time yet. And so I think at the end of that, they will harvest what they sowed in impurity and walking in the flesh. That goes back to yeah, I think that's a beautiful verse way of one, putting right? it. Yeah. Verse well, one, you know, it says, keep watch of yourself, lest you too be tempted. You know, so when you're, when right. you're seeing, gosh, he seems like he's having a lot of success with this carnal living, you know, maybe I, maybe I should try it out. You know, it's, it's right. you know, the, the time is coming. Well, then in verse verse nine, we're talking about seasons. So, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So, so that's, you know, a lesson in perseverance. That's a lesson in resilience, making sure that you can do that. But the do not grow weary of doing good. There are so many contexts, which, which, with which that is applicable because maybe there's someone in your life that you're constantly doing for and you're not getting anything in return. And either you, the whole time, or you suddenly become aware of the inequity in that relationship. And then you get to decide what you do with that inequity. Do you keep making deposits and making the inequity 
wider? Do you cut it off there? Cut your losses? Uh, do you buy into the sunk cost fallacy of like, yeah, I've already given all this to this relationship, but you know, I'm pot committed at this point, you know, to this relationship. So I might as well stay here, even though this person's now starting to wear me down and bring me down to, to kind of the things that they're doing. And, you know, I'd love to get y'all's perspective on that as well, because when I read, when I read that, it's like, yeah, that's great. You know, that would look good on a bumper sticker. And like, you know, if we, if we don't give up, so it's like, Hey, this is our reason to not give up. But man, like there are times where you feel like you're just putting in the reps and putting in the reps and putting in the reps and you're not getting anywhere. All of us have experience with uh, entrepreneurial ventures or small businesses or things that we're doing that are dependent on us. And you keep doing what you consider to be the right thing, the right thing, the right thing, and then it doesn't go well. So Eric, you, you obviously work with a lot of people that, that get injured. And so it's like, imagine you're an athlete for your entire life and, and you, you always stretch after you work out and, and you always like do the right exercises and never, you never push yourself you know, too far and you always make sure you focus on recovery and all that. And then pop, something explodes, you know, bicep tendon explodes, you know, you destroy your knee, your ankle's broken or something like that. And then now you're dealing with this person that has put so many good deposits in the right bank account didn't change the outcome though. And so, but that, that's not the, the potential for something to befall you that is bad and negative is not an excuse to never put in the reps to begin with. Cause I've talked to people before. They're like, yeah, man, I would work out, but I'm really concerned about getting injured. It's like, okay, so you're, you're putting a lot of concern into something that hasn't and may never happen to you. And so you're going to make this deleterious decision for your overall health for the entirety of your life and delete years off the end of your life because you're afraid of something that may never materialize. Mm -hmm. And again, I may, I'm kind of getting outside of, of the lens of scripture as we talk about this, but I guess that's just almost like my, my call to men to like, even if it doesn't seem like it's provi providing fruit right now, go ahead and keep doing it. You know, even if it doesn't seem like sharing the gospel with that person made an impact, you have no idea what's going to happen. That person could accept Christ down the road and it was a seed that you planted and they're not going to try to seek you out and find you and tell you, hey, you know, it all started back when you asked to pray for me at that restaurant whenever I was a server 20 years ago. But like, that's part of the thing is like, even if you don't know the score, you should still do good. Yeah, I, you know, I think about it as uh, contractual relationships and covenantal relationships. And I, you know, if I, if I shop at Aldi for their meat, um, uh, and cause they have a great price, then I'm, I'm basically, I have kind of a loose contract that I'm going to go shop there because I can get a good deal. But then if, uh, I find out that Costco has the same meat, that maybe even better quality and it's cheaper. I'm going to, I'm going to tear up that contract with Aldi and I'm going to go shop at Costco cause I can get it better quality and cheaper. So I think we do have those types of relationships out there. Uh, but we also have covenant relationships, you know, marriage being one of them where it, it reflects Jesus and God's relationship with us, which is reflected back when Abraham and um, God met and um, they have had that covenant moment together. And God said, basically, I will be whoever I'm supposed to be regardless of who you are. That's covenant-based relationship as opposed to I'm going to be whoever and who I'm saying I'm going to be as long as you do your part. And if you don't, then I'm out. You know, um, So I, I don't think we do a very good job operating in the covenant side of things, especially with our closest relationships. And so we see marriage and divorce and all that. But like, if we become weary, like what happens? Like, Look what happened with Abraham. You bring up Abraham. I think that's a perfect thing to bring up is um, Sarah became weary about having a baby. 
And what happened? Well, she let her desire in front of him. She got impatient and she had Hagar um, conceive a child with Abraham. And look at all, look what, look what we're reaping from that. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, if we, if we put our trust in God, put our trust in, and, and what Christ has done for us, and we do not become weary and we we're patient, you know, we will reap. So, yeah. I mean, and in, in, in relationship, if you just take like a, 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 a marriage relationship, it's, uh, there are times where it does seem the, the equity seems off, mm-hmm. you know, where d- certain expectations are not being, being met. But I have to remind myself that I don't, I don't put my identity in my wife. I put my identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And y- yes, I would love for her to respond to me 100% of the time as Christ would it through this fruit of the Spirit. That's just unreasonable. Mm-hmm. So I have to continue to go back and be like, you know what? Christ always deals with me through the fruit of the Spirit, and that is who I'm identified with. So, And when you bring that up, it's like my wife and I have talked to, you know, equity. It's like when it comes to the kids or it's coming to, something in the house, it's like, it's not 50-50, you know? With Christ and God, he gives me his 100%. And that's what he wants back from me is my 100%, you know? And when it comes to my wife and it comes to, you know, I want her 100%, she wants my 100%. You know, God's not asking me for 50%. He's asking for all of me. That's what he wants, you know? And so I think that's, that's what we've got to look at as well. You know, it's like, are we 100% on fire? Are we 100% believing? And, you know, and I think we... we we could reap, I think we're going to reap benefits. We're not going to reap worldly benefits like money, um, cars, or, you know, prosperity or healing, but we may reap, you know, relationships, you know, like, man, my relationship with my wife is a lot closer because I died to self on this in regards to this, you know, my relationship with my friends are a lot better because, you know, I died to self on this. So that's just one thing that, you know, I, I kind of look at, so in doing good you know, not only just, you know, to, to others, you know, I mean, that's basically what we're going to call out into verse 10, you know? Well, even in the concept of good, because all of this begs the question, what do you mean by good? Because mm-hmm. if we're defining our terms, you, you have to obviously, you know, what do you mean by love? Because we talked mm-hmm. about that, I think last time we were talking about, okay, some people think love is very, very different, but in this, like doing good, where do we get our concept of good? So this goes back to another guy we're not supposed to mention. So Robbie Zacharias, but he taught me this and I'll, I'll always remember it. Your, your worldview has to answer four questions, origin, meaning, morality, destiny. So origin, where do we come from? Meaning, why are we here? Morality, how can we tell the difference between good and evil? Destiny, where do we go when we die? In the morality section, again, if you say, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? You're, you're obviously saying that there is bad in the world. How do we know things are bad? Well, we have things that are good that we can compare it to. And how do we differentiate between the two? Well, there's a moral law that gives us the answers to that. And having a moral law begs that there is a moral law giver because every question uh, about good and evil is either, uh, like I think he described it, like it's about a person or it's for a person or something like that. So there, there has to be a moral lawgiver. But guys, that's why, as I've admitted before, there have been entire sections of my Christian life where I did not dig into the book that gives me the scaffolding for good and evil. How do we know things are moral? This, like uh, th- these Bibles help us do that. And so if, if you take Galatians 6, 9 seriously, and you're like, I'm not going to grow weary of doing good. I'm going to ask you doing what? Doing what? Good. good. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause like maybe you're a, you're a Jocko guy and you're, you know, good, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstances are, win or lose good. You know, I either learned you either win or you learn and that's great. What do you mean though? And so the, the way that we get the meaning is through this. Yeah. I mean, 
by good, I mean, is it good for me? Like someone needs some money. I give them money. You know, a uh, friend comes to me and he's like, I need help making my car payment. I give him money. That's good. But let's just say he's not doing the things to make his car payment. You know what I'm saying? Like it might be even better and good to not give him the money. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's, that, that's the thing we have to look at on good. Good isn't always the great outcome and the nice outcome. Good is going to be the tough love outcome. Absolutely. And I, I think that, that that opens up a lot of doors for guys that people that are well-read or maybe more intellectual, they like to really get into the ethereal about things like good. And it's like, how about we start with the good book? And then sure, sure like I've got a, a book list on my website, the hundred books every modern Christian man should read list. Not all those come from a Christian worldview. And there is plenty of wisdom that comes through those things. And one of my top 10 books of all time is the 48 laws of power by Robert Greene. That's a book that basically teaches you how to manipulate people. There is a tremendous amount of historical wisdom that comes from that book, but I have a filter. The filter is the scriptures mm-hmm. to where, you know, it's what I was talking about earlier with accept, reject, redeem. Mm-hmm. There are things that I can just flat out accept from that book. There are things that I have to flat out reject. And there are things that I can redeem for the kingdom, right? And it's not like, you know, when people talk about CRT and it's like, oh, we're just going to use this as a lens through which we can, you know, identify problems in the church that we can, you know, uh, provide solutions for. It's not that. It's like we can, we can get good from a better understanding of the good book in the good scriptures. And so as we wind down here on Galatians 6 and really the entirety of Galatians, the last section is kind of the final warning and benediction. So the entirety of this letter has been warning, 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 blinking siren. You got to be careful. You got to watch out. But then he tries to like slam it home here at the end. And I want to want to end on verse 14 because I feel like that sums up Galatians. I want to skip all the way to verse 17 though. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear my body, for I bear on my body, the marks of Jesus. So this is almost Paul being like, I'm not talking about this anymore. Okay. Like, and if you want, if you want to see my, my bona fides, if you want to see, uh, you know, my resume, if you want to see my Vita, they're all over my body because at this point in his ministry, and I, and I've got the, the year somewhere else, but at this point in Paul's ministry, he had been beaten up. Yep. He had been shipwrecked. Yep. He had been snake bit. Like he had been Blinded. whipped. Yeah. Like he, the, he literally had the messaging of the, the truth of the gospel and the things that, that he had befall, that things that had befallen him all over his body. And so you have all these squeaky clean people, pharisaical people, or these Judaizers that they didn't bear the scars of the truth of the gospel. They didn't bear the scars of spreading that message along. These are just people that lived in ancient Galatia and you know, that's just their city. And they're, they're just trying to do the right thing. And, oh, I guess, you know, these Judaizers say this is the right thing. And Peter's with them. So, you know, Peter's kind of a cool guy. Like he, well, he hung out with Jesus. Um, and, but like, that's a very, very important thing to me because Paul doesn't seem to flex a whole lot in his stories. He is constantly describing himself as the foremost of sinners. Like, hey, I used to persecute the church. I used to hate God and I used to kill Christians, right? But this is a time where it's like, okay, I'm going to flex just a little bit. Look at my body. You know what I mean? Well, he referenced that in uh, chapter five as well, Kyle. You know, he said, hey, if I am, if I am wrong on this, why am I still persecuted? Right. And I think that that's his whole point here is, look, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to repeat myself. You can reread the letter over and over if you want to. I've told my, I've told my point, but I've been persecuted enough. Now it's time. I, I think um, it's in, what, verse uh, chapter 4 or 5, where he basically says, what are you thinking? Are you kidding me? You guys are, are still considering this? Maybe it's the beginning of 3, right? Yeah. I, I heard somebody actually translate that to, you idiots. How can you be <laughs> this big of idiots with this whole thing? And so. I think here he's, he's closing his entire letter to say, listen, from now on, I'm done. You guys do what you need to do. 
do what you need to do. But yeah, it's like I, I've given you the the. That's the beginning of of uh, three. Oh, three. Yep, that's exactly who it. has bewitched right. you. It was mm -hmm. before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this: Did you receive the Spirit by works or by law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Um, and yeah, I mean, we we get to that point where yeah, we, we just go ahead and sink there. And again, for us, we're, we're looking at this as chunks of a letter, right? But it it was a letter. It was an intact yep. entire letter. Like, just think about if, uh, what, letters from Birmingham jail. Like, imagine reading that in sections versus reading that in its totality. You get a whole lot of different meaning because the peop the first people in Galatia that read this later letter, they weren't reading verse one and then going back to the commentaries and then spending time hearing somebody else read right. it. They read the letter. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so you, you look at the entirety, the thematic, you know, uh, the undergird of this entire letter. It's there the entire time. Well, I think he also flexes here because, I mean, if you go back to chapter one, um, he's basically defending himself on right. who he is as an apostle. Right. You know, and so he's like, not only did I, you know, not only did I do all this stuff and then I was blinded and then I went into the desert for however long, three years, and, you know, was basically fed the scripture by the Holy Spirit. I also bear the marks. You know, I was blinded by Christ. Like, that's one mark. I mean, like, yeah. Christ actually blinded him, you know, um, who knows if he's not dealing with any eyesight issues. Cause he's in Galatia. He was injured or something. He was dealing with something. You know, what's then, funny about that. I didn't even think about it until you just said it. Verse 11, see, uh, with what large letters I am writing to you with my own yeah. hand. There are a lot of people that think Paul had eye issues. And yeah. so in order to see what he was writing, he had to write in bigger letters than yeah. what was normal for the scribes at the time. So perhaps he could have done that, or it could have been like, I really want you to like, see this, see these large letters. I want you to get this. Yeah. You know, because like, what did he write in large letters? It was basically about, you know, the circumcision party. So, um, brothers and sisters, oops, sorry. Uh, see with what large letters I've written to you with my own hand. All who want to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Isn't that kind of interesting to think about? Like, I, I those, um, all who want to make a good showing in the flesh, in the flesh. They're taking the easy way. Right. Yeah. Like, Hey man, like look at our church nowadays. You know what I'm saying? And with our modern times and the way our culture is moving, like they're wanting to make a good showing in the flesh, you know, like, Hey, we're, we're, we're okay with this. Like, this is just who it is. You know, this is just who I am. You know, they're making a good showing in the flesh and they're trying to compel you to come to church. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like the Judaizers trying to compel you to be circumcised. You know, it's the wrong message. It's not grace alone. It's, you know, it's grace plus, you know, it's like, hey, have grace. But also we're co totally cool with you wanting to live in the flesh, you know? And so he basically in large letters, whether it's because he dealt with eyesight issues or he just wanted to get it across, basically wanted you to know that these people are pulling you in. For fleshly desires. Well, and the whole grace plus idea. Every time you say that, I think of like daily, daily wire plus or CNN plus, but yeah. let's look at it in terms of as corny as this is going to be like CNN plus. It's like, look at all the money and effort they put into something that was going to fail from the very beginning. Yeah. It's like, if people aren't going to watch those hosts for free, why do you think they're going to pay you a monthly subscription fee to do that? It's kind of the same thing. Like when you're doing grace plus it's because you're too smart for your own good. And you think I, I know the formula that's going to work for me and it's going to work for the marketplace. It's just not going to happen for you, brother. And so it's like, why, why continue going back to the same? Well, it's because we're morons. Well, you say formula. I mean, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a formula. Why? They want to make their churches bigger. They want to bring in 
bring everything in, you know, by a seeker sensitive type of attitude, but they're not using the real gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like they're using a false gospel to bring these people in. And it's like, are you, you know, like I will not be mocked. God says, you know, you know, are, are we mocking him by thinking that his true gospel of what he put in his word about, you know, Christ dying on the cross to take on the wrath of our sins is not beautiful enough to bring people in that I have to have these other things like circumcision or, you know, um, doing good or all this other stuff to bring people in. No, like this alone should bring people to the table. And if you're not, if you're not, um, if you're not good with that, or you don't have faith in that, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder where, where that church is going and where that church is going to look like. And, in 10 years, is it going to be a church or is it going to be a club? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's good. I was just thinking about that, that, that word bearing, you know, I flipped over here to Luke 14. So I'd like to read a portion of that. Luke 14, 26, 27, and 33, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then in 33, so therefore anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I mean, there, I, I was thinking back and I cannot remember the documentary I watched. It was a, a time, you know, all back, but um, in parts of the world where there's high amounts of persecution and they find out you're a Christian, they kill you. Um, <clears throat> there's a whole lot of underground um, gospel spreading, you know, but a lot of these people that are coming into these groups and they call them whatever they call them, but they're basically like Bible studies. They're unbelievers. When they come in, they have somebody leading this group of unbelievers and teaching them the truth and the gospel. And over time, some of those folks start to convert. Um, and it's interesting listening to that documentary and what they were saying. They were like, when they make that decision, it is not some pussyfoot mm-hmm. kind of decision. It's not like, eh, give it a shot. You know, they are all in knowing that the cost of that could mean that they die. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are taking up and bearing that cross from the very get-go. And I think, you know, just in, in America and, and across the world in many areas, we just don't, we do not approach it like you that. bring that up. And like, that's a beautiful thing to look at about other countries, third world countries that where Christianity is not the Christianity here of America. You know what I'm saying? Like they're being persecuted. Like there's a church here. That will, you know, if you want to make the sacrifice of tithing, they'll let you tithe for three months. And then if you don't feel the blessings from God, they'll give you your money back. And you've got people across the, across the, the ocean who are being persecuted just for believing and dying. And we're worried about, hey, are we seeing any blessings from the uh, $20 I put into uh, to the plate today? You know, it's like, man, it makes you really think like we have it pretty good here, but we haven't died to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so, okay. <clears throat> so many points here I want to touch on, because I think what we're weaving is this beautiful story of, from the very beginning, God had called the Israelites to stand out against culture, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he gave them the law so that they would look different physically and behaviorally look different than the rest of culture. And even now here, as you look at, we're still on verse 12 here, and they are, make a good showing in the flesh in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And so what he's pointing out here is, hey, look, they don't want to be persecuted. They don't, they don't want to pay the price for actually fully committing, to your point, Eric, 
about, hey, whoever denies your mother and father, meaning, hey, your, your Jewish heritage, your traditions, you have to completely walk away from that life and turn towards Jesus and Christ in order to be completely brand new. And, and I think, Ryan, to your point of, as we come into the modern day church, Jesus still calls us to be drastically different than the, than the culture that we're around. And as we, as Christians, when we begin to participate in the cultural values that we're called to stand against, we lose all credibility, all credibility, yeah. right? And the Bible can't progress. The Bible is. You can't make this any better than what it already is. And if you try to make it any better than it already is, you're feeding some other narrative that God doesn't want you to feed. You're exactly right. I mean, I, I heard a pastor, it, I, he's a teacher, but you, I'd call him a pastor, talk about how that right there, standing up against cultural values, and God's word is God's word, and it doesn't change. Um, he changed. He used uh, Samson as an example of Samson standing up against culture and then not standing up against culture when he went to go uh, marry and, and, and intermingle with the Philistines and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it absolutely applies to the Galatians here saying, hey, no, you've been called to be different and different in the sense of not be circumcised, not be circumcised and fall under the curse of the law. You've been called to be different. The only reason people are asking you to not take that full stance, fully die to yourself, is because they don't want to be persecuted. And look at my, I mean, and then we go back to number uh, verse 17 here. But, hey, cause me no trouble because I bear the marks. I've been persecuted. I fully committed, and I'm calling you to fully commit as well. Yeah, and that's, that's when, yeah, awesome. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow me as I also follow yep, Christ. Right. Like, who in the world can say that? Well, Paul. Paul, Paul can. can say it. Paul can. Yeah. Yep. I think about somebody like Yeonmi Park, who was a refugee from North Korea. Um, her book um, that she wrote, and she's got another book uh, that's that's out now as well. But hearing her story about what she had to go through, what her family had to go through for her to now be in America, and she went to an American university. I think she went to Columbia. And the things that, like there were trigger warnings in the class. Like So first day of class when they should be going over the syllabus, uh, they're talking about trigger warnings. They're talking about, hey, if you're really, really stressed out and it's test day or something like that, here's this form that you can fill out that will get you out of the, out of the test. And here's the, where the safe spaces are on campus and all that. And she's looking around like, I used to eat crickets in the field to, to try to get a little bit of protein. And here you guys are, are complaining. And she, of all the people that go to Columbia that can claim to be a victim mm -hmm. at during that time. Yeonmi Park was one because she weighed like 85 pounds because she was malnourished for basically the first two decades of her, of her entire life. And you have people that are feeling as if, oh, well, I have this immutable characteristic, so I'm part of this victim group. And so I, I think that's really, really important for us to understand that because some people think, hey, that's kind of a cocky thing for him to be saying. It's like, no, he, he's showing you of how much worse things can be but for a purpose of the glory of Christ and his name being being renowned and being spread throughout that entire uh, part of the world. And so as we wrap up here, we, we really need to go ahead and put a, a bow on all of Galatians, not just Galatians 6. And I feel like Paul kind of does that with verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Again, the entire point, what we see, the, the major theme of the entirety of Galatians of this entire letter is, guys, Grace by faith alone. The, your debt was paid. The propitiation for your sin was paid on the cross of Christ. It was paid at Calvary. And that is it. You're adding to the gumbo. 
and the gumbo's already done. It's finished. It's been turned into the judges, and it's already been <laughs> been judged. You know, as, as sufficient. You don't need to make it any sweeter. You don't need to make it any saltery, salty, or any of those things. So I just want to kind of open it up to you guys, just your overall thoughts, because we've spent a lot of time as a group uh, going over Galatians over these last few months. Just give me your overall thoughts on the letter. I mean, Galatians is is the gospel. It's it, it lays it out in that we are saved by grace alone through Christ alone. Um, if your gospel is, is not Christ crucified and Christ resurrected, then you need to relook your gospel, relook at it because you're not preaching the right gospel. And so I think that's where Paul's getting at. It's just like, this is the gospel. I'm beating it in your heads. You know it, you feel it, you've seen it, but now you're letting it fall away from you and you're, you're going to dabbling some other fruit and you don't need to do that. And so I, I, I love it. Um, I think it was a, a great part that led into the Reformation um, with Martin Luther and, and just kind of opened up that, you know what, as a person who will talk about God's sovereignty all day long, is that God did this for us, that he loved his people so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us so that we can be with him in eternity. I don't think there's anything more beautiful than that. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do in my life that will ever, ever do what God has done for me, you know, and no matter, no work I can do. And that's what he's just trying to get at. There's nothing you're going to be able to do. You can't, it's impossible. Let God save you. And that's what he did. Derek, final thoughts on Galatians? Uh, yeah, I love Galatians. So I'm an intellectual-based guy, not a feels-based guy. And so I, I, Galatians speaks to me in a way because Paul is just one gigantic intellectual argument, right? I mean, that's the entire message of Galatians is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so, Ryan, I like the way that you said that. Um, I, I think Galatians is beautiful. And I forgot until you mentioned that, that Galatians did play a major factor into Martin Luther like breaking his theology and saying, oh, no, it is time for the Reformation, because how can you, you would have to completely omit the book of Galatians to to miss the fact that, no, Jesus's work, his life, death, and resurrection, his work on the cross was enough for me, and I don't have to add anything to it. I, I have to believe and, and live, live, live through faith. Absolutely. Eric? Yeah, uh, and I would just add that, uh, kind of going back several weeks, that if you're exhausted, because you just feel like you keep trying and beating your head against the wall uh, and you can't get anywhere. You can't seem to get, get to that next level, so to speak with, with God. It's possible that because it's because you're working through the law. Um, the law is there to expose the, your inept ability to measure up to God's standard, but it's not what you're supposed to live by when grace has been given to us. So accept the grace that he's been given through faith, and just as you guys have said, and, and then just trust. And trust that the Holy Spirit that has been implanted you in you uh, is all you need then to walk uh, and to live and to live out the fruits of the Spirit. And so for me, in Galatians, I appreciate all those thoughts. Um, I feel like in Galatians, at least in my opinion, it's one of the most important things that Paul ever did and one of the most important things that Paul ever wrote. 
And it's both in Galatians 2 for me. So you have Galatians 2, 11 through 14, where Paul opposes Peter to his face. He publicly rebukes him. But then perhaps, and maybe in my opinion, I'll just kind of go ahead and, and say this. Paul uh, says in Galatians 2, 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That for me, I almost feel like aside from the gospels, if you're looking at any of the epistles or any other parts in the new Testament, if you start with Galatians two twenty one and work your theology out from there, you're probably going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is a very short sentence and no matter what language you write it in, but I feel like uh, this gives a lot of reminders to you and guys just overall, again, as I, I mentioned already, there's a lot of people that are starting forging tables just because it's something that we're modeling. Again, there's no professional Christians here. We all do other, other stuff for the most part. Like no one's got a master's in divinity. Nobody's going to get their PhD. Nobody works on staff at a church or anything like that. We're just regular, normal guys, guys. We could have spent the year mm-hmm. on Galatians. Like every episode where I say, all right, guys, we got to cut it there. I can feel the angst from everybody at the table because y'all are like furiously writing notes. And, you know, when we're talking in between these episodes, it's like, oh, I was going to talk about this and I was going to talk about that. There's always going to be more that you can share. But guys, this is why studying the scripture is so unbelievably important because we've spent the last six weeks going over this book. But I mean, there are people that could dedicate their entire lives to one chapter or one section of this letter, which is the better way to think about it. So I'm so thankful uh, for all of you guys and the things that you've been able to add to this table and certainly to what Paul put here in Galatians. But there's more to be said, but we're going to have to leave it there. But guys, come back next Sunday because we are going to be starting a new book of the Bible. We are going to be starting 1 Timothy. So make sure that you read 1 Timothy 1 this week so you can be prepared for the discussion next week. But guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. As we talked about every week, this is a donation-based ministry, so that's the link I've got for you today, guys. If you like the forging table, if you like Undaunted Life, we need you to partner with us so we can continue to equip men around the globe to push back darkness. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.